0: If this was perfect,
1: it wouldn't be. Hello, this is Pedro D. Permit and thank you for listening to the Scoff podcast. I know I sure as hell would never listen to it, but enjoy it while it
0: lasts.
1: Welcome to the Scoffcast. cast. Uh, this is John Agricola. I'm the editor at Southern Culture on the Fly. And we're going to do some uh, chatting about the issue 49 that we put out a couple of months ago. I wanted to also mention that our other editor, Mike Steinberg, is not with us tonight. He's battling COVID and was not able to come to the Atlanta Fly Fishing Show, and we wish he was here. We hope hope he's doing well. Uh, That said, uh, let me turn it over to the creative director uh, for more introductions.
2: Hello, I'm Hank. I'm the creative director at Southern Culture and the Fly magazine. I make the magazine look the way it does. I make the magazine feel the way it does. And uh, I try to be funny sometimes. I manage the social media, and I do my best to assist Scoff with all of its digital requirements. Luckily, tonight I have a break, and I can just lay on this couch with a microphone. And Alan gets to push all the buttons. Thank you, Alan Broyhill. He knows how to push buttons, folks. He's pushing mine
0: right now. Who are you? Hey, this is Sam Bailey. I am the advertising director. I'm not really sure what that means. Neither are we. I do very little (laughs) to do with the magazine, but I do talk to the people that pay us the
1: money that allow us to do this. Um, And I like to have fun, so the uh, The fourth member of this uh, four legged pig race.
3: So Scott Stevenson,
1: uh, Merchant of Waverly. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Scott.
3: I ship the stuff. I go to the post office. It's a tiny post office. It's really. Uh, Deborah's the lady that works there. <laughs> She's really cool. I got her. I got a direct line to her. Hey Deborah. Um, anyway, I ship the stuff, and then I help design the stuff, and. That's about it. It's a lot more than that. Way Scott.
2: more. Paul Puckett was in here earlier, and I told I was trying to describe what you really are to us, and you're like you're like an encyclopedia of of just things that everyone should like. Really, <laughs> yes. A, a,
1: a magician of action, really. Yes. You're he's you're an our idea guy. Of shipping, but also like I've said it before, he's he's interpersonally you know important to the group as diffusion of ego battles that are always constantly being waged because I'm such an asshole. Uh, and he makes us all feel better about me being an asshole. So thank you for that, Scott.
3: You're welcome. Asshole.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What we want to do is, is try to get into the last issue that, that we made. And, and we were, we were talking about it earlier. And I think Hank said it was about consumption in, in terms of its imagery we had a spoof on on a chicken and beer album by Ludacris, where uh, Professor Mike was chewing his own leg, and the importance of it was that, you know, he had he's written a book about uh, searching for home waters, and you can see his brook trout tattoo, and he's. He's a really great dude, and to see him feasting on his own leg and in some instead of some beautiful woman's leg, I think was a little bit of our sarcasm and 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 the farce that is uh, Southern culture on the fly. And it was just a taste of that. What did, didn't y'all think so?
3: The whole starving artist thing
2: you were talking about.
1: Starving artist for sure. We're all starving because the only one getting paid right now is Cola, and everybody is.
2: Sort of, we're strapped to the John Agricola rocket ship, and we don't have, we don't have, <laughs> we don't have the, uh, we don't know where the the straps actually, yeah, attached to. But I, we're flying. I'm
1: so glad that nobody has hit their uh, their eject button yet. I don't even know where my eject button is. <laughs> I pulled. If they the could find shit out of that thing a couple <laughs> times, but it didn't go off. So <laughs> the parachute didn't release. Yeah. Uh, but we're still in it and we're still going to keep making creative content for you. Uh, the most important thing I think is that we were all fans of the original Scoff 1.0 and we were all saddened by the idea of it stopping. And, uh, we wanted to make our own content in that vein and carry that mantle forward. And, uh, you know, so just getting back into 49, um you know personally as as a writer i experienced something that was very bizarre and, and y'all helped me with this i've never been a conventional fisherman uh i i, I don't throw bait casters i don't
2: I such have a snob sort
1: of, i i don't look down on people that do but recently i acquired a boathouse on the coosa river And fell in love with catfishing and it it, like it was kind of this weird double bond of a paradox to have a southern culture on the fly magazine where i'm sacrificing bluegill occasionally and sometimes shad to the catfish gods and i'd never caught a flathead before the last quarter of the magazine and i started catching them on on a regular basis and and eating them, which will probably be, you know, another another bridge to colon cancer or something. But you know, <laughs> the coos is extremely polluted. But like I told myself that, like, you know, these these you got to live your life. You got to live your life, man. You can't worry about that shit. And and the the flatheads that I did eat were delicious, and I was able to bring my father while he was still able to sort of walk uh to to the boathouse, and we had some some special times. We watched that movie mending the line uh which was a great movie. We did a review. My mom wrote a review on mending the line and um
2: and you lost a giant fish
1: and I lost a giant fish with hank one day uh we were there fishing we lost it together we lost it together. It was right before a zoom meeting where um uh, where we were all going to be gathered which is where you know we we do most of our virtual talky you know as a group because we're decentralized we're in different you know parts of the state of alabama and georgia and it's hard to get together and, and talk about things and we're like in the middle of a zoom meeting me and hank are fighting this flathead that's the size of a you know small volkswagen beetle or something and, you know, it was in my mind anyway, it was like Pussaliah or some some magical beast of the imagination, you know, and sometimes when when you're ascetically feasting on your own leg like Mike is in the cover, you know, sometimes you need that. And in in the fall and winter when fishing is not as good. This particular part of the time was not as good and um uh, you know it, i need to feel that pull you know last year as a magazine i tried to catch permit tried to catch musky i tried to catch tarpon and i'm not a terrible angler but i didn't catch any of those fucking fish that i was trying to catch and so i needed that flathead i needed to feel that tug that was my pussy alive and uh yeah, does anybody want to say anything about that while we've been ripping
2: your your PCBs too? Not only, yeah, it? you might want to get tested uh, for eating all them catfish. Sure. So,
1: but, but it's my understanding that that as long as I'm feeding them a fish that swims in the middle of the water column, they're not eating those heavy metals like you know some of the some of the ov- Well, you're not.
2: You're, you might not be giving them more PCBs to eat, but most of it is not 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 their fault. Okay. Everybody, everybody in the Kusa chain has. A piece pretty, of uh, Okay. Much well, I've only eaten levels. three in my life. So. I think you'll be okay, John. I think you'll, I'll be okay. You cut a lot worse habits than eating flathead catfish. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's well, not what get you saying? What are you saying? You, I, think, are you saying? <laughs> I think the hu-
2: I think the hunger for that giant fish was also just kind of. Uh, it's. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter, you know, what you're chasing. Everybody's chasing that giant, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 the giant doesn't even. To me, to me, it, it was a metaphor for everything we're doing. We're chasing this big pie in the sky. We're trying to figure out what's lurking on the bottom, and we're trying to drag it up with all of our might. And sometimes it breaks off. Sometimes, you know, we don't even know how big it was. But it's part of that that ravenous hunger that we all have as creatives and as anglers where we're all just trying to figure out how do we pull this how do we pull this thing off how do we get this and, it, and, it, and it, i think to me it comes down to your appetite mm. you know i've met a lot of guys in this industry with big appetites mm. for everything mm-hmm. for life for fishing for women for angling for good writing. Mm. it's just like there's so much there's so much there's so much about this industry that's consumptive mm. and i think that uh, that the metaphor of catfishing and eating catfish, yeah, is pretty strong for that.
1: And it doesn't really matter to us that we're using a conventional rod to catch that flathead because the leviathan is the metaphor. It's a metaphor. You yeah, know?
3: I agree. I'd I much, r- much rather eat that catfish than your Taco Bell and pack of smokes. So <laughs>
0: issue forty nine, chicken and beer. Mike Steinberg eating his leg. Great stories. Uh just just an awesome thing. One thing I heard today, uh, from some of our subscribers, people that, you know, read us, follow us, um, uh, heard one story that, you know, your letter from the editor, I mean, obviously comes from the heart. Uh story with your dad, Mr. Jack, great man. And uh yeah, you know, that came from the heart. Tough place when you're writing that. And <clears throat> you write that because it, it comes from your heart and you're writing that out to people and you don't realize sometimes those things touch people. And I had one guy come up to me today that I've known for like five years, met him at this show five years ago when I was at the Toey booth. And um, we kept in touch because he's from Pensacola, Florida, my hometown. And uh, he was like, man, that last, that last issue, that letter from the editor talking about his dad and things he's going through, he was like, you don't know how much that hit home. I just went through that with my dad. This guy's like, he's 60, and he just went through this with his dad. And so it, it hit home to him. And so the things that we, we think are, you know, funny and everything else, sometimes it hits home and touches people a different way. So it's pretty cool. It's something you're know, glad to be a part of for sure. I was going to say,
3: John, I I love the fact that you you, know, you just open up completely and – in a way that most people are not willing to go. And I appreciate sometimes you open up sometimes more, you know, I've seen you open up and we're like, Whoa, you know, but you do open up and I appreciate that about you. You're not, there is no ounce of fake. In no. you. It's all I've real. always respected that. So I love, I love when you write what you're feeling and thinking Sometimes even if it goes darker than I want
2: to read, or sometimes when it gets us kicked out of fly fishing meetings, or whatever, (laughs) I just (laughs) yeah
3: I appreciate it. So I just had to had to say that. I don't think I ever said that to you, Scott. Thank thank you so much for
1: saying that. I mean, it means a lot to hear that y'all appreciate what I'm trying to do, and I think what I'm trying to do. But I want I want to go to what Hank said first about getting kicked out of a fly fishing meeting. What can you say about that night? I mean, because that that was like a pivotal moment in my...
2: This was kind of before Scoff really took off. And I was going to say, I have no idea. This is kind of a... I don't remember this, this one. So John John and I had sort of a correspondence before Scoff took off. And, you know, we, we sort of respect... I was a subscriber to his sub stack and I would send him feedback and stuff. He'd call me and read me stories and, and he would invite me to come out um, and fish with them or on this one occasion come out to the uh, rainbow fly fishers club in Gadsden, Alabama and talk about fly fishing and sporting art and a little bit of art history. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of an art enthusiast as some people might know about me. And I decided to put together a little slideshow about art history. And what I didn't realize was that I was really going, uh, as John's bodyguard, not as, not as his, uh, his his protege or his his uh, academic That's invitee. At all. That's not true. Because when I got there and I gave my talk, everyone was super nice and they were receptive and then I sat down after answering some questions and they said, Okay, well let's open up the business portion of the meeting and, and they asked John to read the, the budget items and the action items and then and then it was every it was the membership's turn to speak and uh they started really grilling John on some stuff that he'd written in his sub stack. And then Things started boiling and boiling and boiling, and one lady decided to get up, and she said, do you know what this man has been saying about us on his blog? And she brought up a manila envelope with 300, pages, <laughs> 300 pages of John Substack articles printed out and was prepared to read every every bit of slander written about anyone in that club, and uh,
1: which amounted to one line by
2: the way yeah it was not anything serious it was playful it was in jest and they took it the wrong way and, and they literally chased us out of the meeting on our way out she followed us through the door and said you cowards you better come back here and know not to what you did yeah it was, it and was we never pretty went dicey back.
1: but I want to say just for Hank's benefit <laughs> that though she was waving the smoking gun of I I, I think I had cast aspersions upon some of their intelligences <laughs> because uh, ultimately I was trying to change the bylaws to be about both conservation and camaraderie. Right. And they wanted nothing to do with conservation.
2: He, and, John was met with some opposition uh, when he tried to do some good for the club. And then when he realized he was dealing with people who weren't going to change, he used some language they weren't a fan of.
1: It, it was very typical of of often... You know, fly fishing clubs, but my membership in this club had so much to do with the desire for a community that that
2: was special,
1: and it and was never going to, be, to be, a, be that. Your
2: desire for mentorship from Frank Roden,
1: and and for sure. So Frank Roden is the fly shop owner in Gadsden, which is the hub of all fly fishing activity. But in order to, um continue his business he caters to a certain a certain ilk of uh and they're not all bad but some of them are the type that will steal a spot from you and just be kind of cutthroat about their tactics for having fun and it, it it was a bad experience with community and not all communities are good communities and that that was one of them that this- not every individual within the club is, is a is a negative person. I still have friends within that club, but from that night forward I stopped participating in any club uh activity. And uh Yeah.
0: Is that why at the Getson Fly show I kept getting the stink eye from all those people over there in the corner? It is. Okay. Makes sense now. So this kind I of was thinking, I was like, this bro, were, I totally know.
3: reminds me Hank and I just did a uh a book yeah. swap uh we're both we're reading Guy D. a couple of his books. I just finished for a handful of feathers, and what was and the, I finished the fragrance of grass, and we traded, and, and we traded, uh, and in for a handful of fe- feathers, he just makes fun and just totally destroys his neighbor. He's like this redneck hunter, and a slob makes, hunter. He just makes fun of him the whole book, and I'm like. This guy, he's hilarious. This guy's never going to read his book. But if he ever did, he would just lose it. And somebody read John's book on these blog, yeah. these blog posts and called him out, <laughs> on called it. Him out on it. Yeah. He's like, nobody's ever going to read this. There was one phrase that, that was... <laughs>
1: The nail in the Coffin. Yeah. And it was dumb fuckery.
2: Uh, <laughs> <you can't laughs> that one will be it. It was
1: a noun. It was not... No one was called a d- No, it was dumb fuckery. And, and it was, you know, kind of like... I mean, a little bit verby, but like, you know... Ultimately, we're all dumb fucks. We all mess things up. We all, like, have our best intentions and... Some you of know, us more than others. Some of us more than others, and I'm pointing at myself right now. But, you know, I'm not – Scott was mentioning that, like, you know, I bear it all, and, you know, I'm not going to hide anything. And, you know, from from the the time of wanting to find community and wanting to be a part of something within fly fishing, you know, it it may have started with a message board here or there. And, you know, just not being able to figure out how to communicate what I was after, you know, I eventually just stopped giving a damn about what anybody thought. And I mean, that's where the honesty comes from is that I can't I can't care any more than I already have about. I just have to, you know, I'm just doing the best I can and and I'm going to do that because emoting and being expressive about certain things in the fly fishing world is is what gives me joy. It's my passion and, and I try to communicate that with my stories.
2: So we're in Atlanta, Duluth to be precise, at the uh, annual fly fishing show on the Atla- the Atlanta tour. Well, the Atlanta leg of the National Fly Fishing Tour, the Fly Fishing Show in Atlanta, Georgia. I am going to turn it over to Sam for the precise uh, nouns. Here you go, Sam. You want it? You do this. Gas South
0: Convention Center at the Atlanta Fly Fishing Show, um, and we're here building community, getting you know, getting out with with the community. And I mean, it's about more than selling merch, but we have merch, we're telling people about the magazine, signing up subscribers, getting in front of the community and, uh, getting around other like-minded people, hearing them tell us stories about fly fishing, hearing them tell us about why they love what we're doing, us being able to explain to them why we do what we do. And, uh, it's, it's a great thing. I mean, this is why we do this is to get around other people. Who, who love what we're doing and love the same things that we do. So it's it's a lot of fun. It, it allows us to get together and be around uh, people that we enjoy being around.
3: Uh, I would have pretty much rather have fish today, though. It was a beautiful day. <laughs> I mean, there, there like, is that. I wish today could have been so much shittier weather-wise. I mean, it was 60s, sunny. We've had had rain in a week.
2: Man, Stuff was probably – very good. Somebody told me Henry Cowan's not here because he he was not feeling too well, but I have a feeling he's probably fishing. He's probably on some blitz on near it's like Montauk out there. Yeah, he I was like, here early, then he left. So it's supposed to yeah. rain
3: tomorrow, which is fine and be a little a little cool. But man, I could have done it. Could have loved that today because I was like, look, it was perfect to go fish today. But anyway, but we're here and we're playing a new drinking game. It's called drink every time sam says community (laughs) Uh, so i just yes it is about community and yes we heard all day long i saw people i saw my fellow brothers and sisters of the fly that i hadn't seen in 10 11 years since like the last harley strictly tournament or The last time we did Bassapalooza or whatever, you know, all these tournaments. And we kept hearing over and over again, like, we need more stuff. We need more events. It doesn't have to be who catches the biggest fish. We just, things that bring us together, hopefully when there's shitty weather, if we're not fishing. But if we're better yet, let's go fishing and come together too. So that's been my big Thing at this show is seeing some old friends, people that I haven't seen in a long time. That I used to see on a regular basis when we had tournaments, three or four times a year, and I miss
2: that. Yeah, you I know what really... that's called? Building community. Drink, <laughs> drink, drink, sip. So, all right, for the last section of the whatever we're going to discuss in the magazine, I kind of wanted to talk about poetry because po- sporting poetry. I made a meme about this on our on our Instagram page where it was like a picture of a, a kid getting kind of like played with in a pool by, by his mom. And it said, uh, I think it was like sporting photography or something like that. And then beside the mom and the kid, there's a kid drowning and it's like sporting literature. And then at the bottom is a picture of a skeleton, presumably somebody who has drowned due to neglect from the fly fishing mother. Uh, which was sporting poetry, and I and I think that it's it's scoff's duty to revive what's the, what's great about uh about our profession, about our our hobbies, and part of that is just is writing really really well, and I think poetry is a is a really cool way to write well if you do it nicely, and uh, I'm not saying any of the poems that we publish in scoff uh, are all that great, but the exercise of poetry is worthwhile, I think, even if you can't really do it or you are not trained in it. So, um, with that, I am going to indulge myself and I am going to read my poem "October on the Locust Fork," which I wrote, inspired after a float trip I made with my friend Hugh Cheek on the Locust Fork of the Black Warrior in the fall. I am glad you are like
3: describing that before you read the poem. A little context is good. It and I, it kind of it helps tremendously. So
2: so just imagine you're on a on a big rocky river hotspot in North Alabama and it's and it's almost fall I'm about the Lucas Fort For 6 long months I've soaked trousers stuck with sweat to chigger bitten legs I've itched and itched and itched Now on bloody feet I stand proudly in the midst of gully washer work. My friends have been here too. A kinglet sings a kettle chime. Summer's rolling boil is done. North wind smells like toasted pine and persimmons bend their branches like blue-lipped kids on the end of a diving board, giggling nervously, shivering with glee. One by one they drop gobs of honey and sycamore tea to steep in stillness. Wolf packs prowl the fallen timber, His grief could fell a water oak, but he smiles at rope swings and loves the wolves. We're here to visit old earth, to rest on her bedrock and slide, along with any help this fork can give us. She's parched and tired, short stanzas of smooth gin punctuated by nearly broken ankles. A smoke blanket, a headwind, a chilly craving.
1: So good. So good. It's beautiful.
2: So the his... My floating partner, Hugh Cheek. He's one of my best friends in Birmingham. He, he's uh, beautiful too. He's a handsome fella, I gotta say, uh, and single. Doctor. But uh, but Hugh's a really special guy to me because he's gone through so much in his life, and and he and he still sees everything in such a beautiful way. You know, you, you ever been with somebody who you're just like, you are so, you are so messed up. How are you this good? How are you this happy? How can you be such an optimist? How can you enjoy this as much as you are? You have no reason to. You know, you've been thrown. Everything's been thrown at you, and you're still out here breathing in this fall air and just loving every minute of it. So one of the reasons that I love
1: that poem is because it, because it, it is, you know, Hank bearing himself... Before an audience of people that he doesn't know that well, I mean he doesn't know he doesn't know who he's reading to but but we're all doing doing our best to be authentic and be uh real to a community of people, and we trust that who we are in our identities are people that have value and worth within the context of southern fly fishing. And so I really appreciate that poem uh for 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 the bravery that it takes to, to write poetry. Uh, yeah,
2: like I said, I think it's worth the exercise. You definitely. Know? You don't have to be good, you just have to try. And so, that's kind of what Scoff has always been about. <laughs> so, I wrote a poem once. All right. <laughs> so, in a bathroom stall.
1: Okay, so that aside, I think one of the reasons that we're here is that we're doing something really interesting as a group, and we've been we've been working to create something that Sam touches on in community drink. drink drink so sam has has talked about this word this phrase what does it mean Hank Hank at dinner tonight said you know what does it mean? It's just a buzzword that means you know nothing unless you assign it a value. And, and so as a group, we have talked about, uh, doing something that is special and we're here in Atlanta, not just meeting people, not just building that word that causes us to drink, but also we're working on a virtual emergence convergence tournament that, that will, you know, bring people together in the ether of the dual emergence of, of cicadas and uh you know it's just it's a special thing that we want to talk more about as as time goes on we're here talking to people about it. Hank's done an incredible design of a logo for this tournament and uh we wanted to start showing that while we were here and so this is kind of a way to show about it uh in 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 the ether, and and linking communities that are drink, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a network, up. a network of actors that, that will participate in in both the entomology, the fly tying, the uh, you know the, the tournament chase. itself, the chase, the hunt. And for that, I'm going to bear my soul now and do some haikus about cicadas
2: and here goes somebody count the syllables
1: fungus among us so lascivious zombies tap the bug's thorax and then this is the next one they scream and hum it chorus of sexy husks spent withered dreams of life this is the third one they rise from rich soil, fly like Icarus did, then crumple, fallen child.
2: Thank you for coming out to no, us as no, no. cicada sexual. I am. <laughs> I'm cicada curious I've never
1: actually Fished for
3: them Every 17 (laughs) years You've bared
2: your soul To us And we We feel bad for you Having only Gotten laid every 17 years For the last 40 (laughs) I've
1: been I've been in a In a husk 13 13. Sorry 13 In a withered husk It's been 201 years Since he last got laid 221 It, It takes a lot It takes a lot To unring that bell That was my former Sex life Uh but anyway, somebody, somebody like somebody made me feel good about writing poetry because that's oh, what we did. It was, no, it was good. It, it, was, it was great, It was, it great. was, it was great. so it was happy. I mean, you read a supportive just, community,
3: right? right? It was dark. I love it. <laughs> it. It, it, it Depre- got me buzzing. You're You're buzzing. buzzing. It was a depressive cicada, but I liked it. But that's the struggle, right? I mean, that's that's what we all do.
2: the, about the term That would be, Hank, you need Okay. Yeah. This year, 2024, will be the first time in 221 years that two different broods, a 13-year and a 17-year brood of cicadas, will hatch at the same time. The last time this happened, Thomas Jefferson was in office. Tommy J. Tommy J. Oh, boy. So, to celebrate this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, Scoff is hosting a virtual online fly fishing tournament where we will encourage people to preach the cicada gospel, pray to the cicada gods, tie cicada flies, eat cicadas, catch gigantic carp, striped bass, and whatever else is going to gorge on this massive feast. We're going to be hosting this event online from May 10th to June, 2020, June 21st, 2024, more details will be announced later as we talk to our sponsors and we talk to our event hosts, but we are going to be blowing this thing out and it's going to be the hootenanny of a lifetime because this thing is never going to happen again while we're still alive. So let's get out there. Let's fish cicada patterns and let's get wild.
0: It's about community
2: drink. (laughs) Also
3: this, uh, the thirteen we're about to have in the South, it'll be another thirteen years. Like at the very least, I'll be your kids in,
2: won't be kids anymore. I'll, be in, my, fish I'll be in my I'll be
3: in my sixties. Yeah, when this thing happens. So, not true, so. yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> well, you're Th- right. Those
3: it's bugs right. Will edit be... that out. No, I want to leave it there. <laughs> well, because I mean, yeah, but the <laughs> ones That's that hatch next
0: gear, year will be the background. thirteen year. This is this is God speaking.
2: <laughs> <to the back. laughs> Dear Alan, God, please bring us more cicada juice. I just hope yeah, they hatch. It, it, it you seen? You see, until another cicada. You've seen
3: Real Genius, right? Tell me you've seen that movie. What movie? Real Genius, Val Kilmer. Oh yes. And I they. Real seen. American
2: genius. They put the little. The, they story.
3: put the little thing in his tooth where they play the God, and they're talking to him. Yeah. They're like, Ken, wake up.
2: That's, how, that's basically what you're doing. That's what Alan is. <laughs> Alan's the guy that slaps you in the mouth while you're passed out drunk in the Atlanta fly fishing show. You've pissed yourself in the casting pond again for the third year in a row. Alan comes over and smacks you in the mouth and says, get up. Jeff Currier's sister is doing the hula hoop dance again. <laughs> you got to wake up to see this, man. So two things there.
0: <laughs> One, we definitely need to introduce Alan Broyhill. But number two... I talked to Jeff Currier today, and he does have a sister. I knew he did. And he thought it was awesome that I was talking to his sister last night.
3: <laughs>
2: and he, number two. She really needs like, to get out more.
3: He wouldn't think if Shad was talking to his sister. Well, that's a different story. Though. Yeah. But Alan
0: Broyhill, who is doing our recording, is a a longtime dear friend of myself. <laughs> As he's choking not on what you might think. Um he is a good dear friend of myself and the rest of us. Alan is the bridge that brings old scoff to new scoff. Um he's been around Southern Culture on the Fly since the very beginnings. Um and is an amazing photographer.
2: Is the- pretty damn good angler.
3: Yeah,
2: if you've ever seen,
0: if he's okay, the right, way I like
2: to think about Alan is uh, he's an angler. He's he's Vigo Mortensen in Eastern Promises. He's the guy. He's the guy <laughs> that just gets it done, man. He's not high ranking, but man, he's got some cool tattoos, and he'll fight you naked in a shower. But he, <laughs> we love Alan.
0: Alan is as much a part of this as any one of us is, um, and we are so thankful to have him. Here, setting this recording up and not talking.
1: Thankfully, he's a part of this community. Drink. Drink. Oh.
0: And it is a great, wonderful community. Drink.
1: One of the coolest things that I think happened while I was in Punta Island was the lead guide, Jerry, um, told us an incredible story that I transcribed verbatim about. a a really like near death kind of moment in his life where he didn't think he was going to make it. And he documented the whole thing, taking these momenti Mori photos that are not of any aesthetic quality. That's maybe Steve Seinberg would appreciate, but you know, in the, in the big mix of things, these are people that thought they were dying and he was taking pictures, like, essentially what happens is... A, don't but, give it away. Yeah, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away, but, you know, you got this very, like, raw and gritty story that the lead guy of, of Punta Allen, or Palmetto Club, is is telling
2: us. So you got that to look forward to in <laughs> our 50th if, issue coming out February 26th. And if you want to hear the rest of the story, you're going to need to get on our Patreon do you even know what Patreon don't is, Don't confuse Sam? people. Yes, I do. We don't have a Patreon. There's no not we yet. We don't have a community big enough for Patreon.
0: Drink.
1: <laughs>
2: so, after Scoff 50, our 50th issue, which is going to have a lot more cool stuff than that, but we don't have time to talk about it. We're planning on putting together some pretty cool stuff. So, the rest of the spring, we're going to plan on actually fishing. And not only that, catching fish to write about uh because we're going to have our big cicada tournament from May 10th to June 21st and in the middle of that Hoot Nanny is going to be our spring issue. The middle of May, end of May, we're going to publish an issue and it's going to have some juicy 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 pictures of very large carp eating very large bugs. Then this summer we're going to be fishing some more. And at some point this year, maybe in August, probably November, we're going to come out with a cast and blast issue that's going to be very, very focused on the combination of shotgunning and fly rotting that most of us, I think, would appreciate. Um, We understand if you don't like shooting or killing the birds that supply the feathers for your flies, but kind of like how you should appreciate that your cow died before you ate it in cheeseburger form, you should be comfortable with the fact that birds have to die. And so we're going to be publishing some stories about birds dying and deer dying and maybe even a bear. Maybe a turkey. Maybe a turkey. Maybe. um. That's a bird last time. Maybe Sam, yeah, is. if he doesn't shut up. <laughs> So that's kind of what we have planned for the year. Uh, what are you most excited to write, read, or participate in, Scott? Oh, are we really gonna give this.
3: I whether we do this or not. I hope we do it. But we're talking about going to hit some very. I wouldn't say. I don't know. We won't give too much away. But we're just gonna go to a couple places between spring prime season spring and fish for bass you're a spring
2: guy you like fishing in turkey season i do yeah you like when that when it gets that certain green yeah that that high that high viz green whatever you want to call it i love the green that looks even better through bahio lenses does green in the morning
3: but yeah i'm looking forward to hitting a few places as a group um we've got a road map i think we've got four locations lined up i think three or three or for sure and i i can't recall anyone doing this so uh, this is kind of like i'm excited about it at least not in our little niche you know yeah so what are you excited to do this year sam
2: and saltwater fish i'm excited to go fishing you go fishing all the time you fish probably more than any of us
0: No, uh, i'm just maybe not alan
2: <laughs> well
0: Al- but alan's single and has no kids alan's well, god excuse- so he excuse- can fish more alan than has wants. a very wonderful beautiful young lady serious uh, girl he's Lydia's. single by the irs's standards exactly it has no kids so um but other than that yeah you're probably right i do uh I'm excited about getting out with you guys more. I, I really want to get our group together and do more trips this
2: year. Um, you know, I want to go I, with Shep. I think we really need to make a trip with Shep happen this fall. Yeah, that's definitely going to happen. I mean, I, Shep and I are fishing together here in a couple
0: of weeks. Um, and I've just looked forward to doing more stuff. You know, John and I, before we started doing this magazine together, we used to get out every, you know, couple months and carp fish together. I mean, did a lot of stuff. Scott and I used to uh, go on a, a week to ten day trip every year together, uh, somewhere new and exotic. I mean, some, I say exotic: Wyoming, Montana, uh, <laughs> I miss
2: your Michigan, I miss your Florida.
0: Musk. I mean, like we, you know, we did a lot of fun stuff. When you grow up in Pensacola,
2: I mean, Florida, you don't need a passport to find exotic destinations. You don't,
0: you don't. But that's, you know, that's the beauty of it. I'm, so I'm looking forward to doing more stuff with you guys. Um, you know, hopefully meeting more of our subscribers and, and the guys that, you know, follow us and, and do some trips with those guys, just, just getting out there. It's a lot of fun. This is what I love. So it's not, uh, anything more than
2: that. What, what about you time? too, Hank? The I'm YouTube. looking
1: forward to like trying to do more DIY stuff. I mean, I often treat myself to a exotic trip or something, but, uh, I'm looking forward to trying that more in the coming
2: year. I think it's important as a magazine to be kind of accessible, provide provide a window into a relatable experience. And I'm not sure how many of our readers actually have the, the scratch to get out to the Bahamas. So I think it'll be good this year to, you know, or tiger fish in Africa? But, yeah, let, I let mean, me, as a defense I mean, no, of myself, no offense to tiger fish. Oh, uh, that's not an accusation. I'm just saying. I think I think you're on the right track with doing DIY. Yeah. More DIY. I've got a little creek on
3: the property that we we own that we're building a house on. It's the headwaters of a good. It's a good creek, but I'm going to try to fish it this year and see if there's any little. I'm sure there's a little micro fishing. Is that what they call it? Oh, yeah. Cast and
0: yeah. blast turkey hunt, bluegill.
3: Like a one-way, bust, yeah. One-way at, or whatever. At
0: Scott's farm. And then we go to John's farm the next weekend and do, do a the little cast thing. and blast. <laughs> Brent bust at his farm. We did get a big, nice turkey last year hey. at John's place. Yeah, we did. We got to do that
3: again.
2: Hey, so that sounds, Sam. Cool. You basically shot it by accident, though, didn't you? Well, I mean, I called it writing. right.
3: Sam, <laughs> Sam tell How did him. How did I shoot it by accident? Didn't,
2: <laughs> didn't We haven't didn't, talked about this. Didn't didn't we road. probably
3: haven't talked about this to anybody, much less in a long time. But tell... You you do remember when we were living in Huntsville and fishing the farm uh, yeah. I forget the family's name we're friends with. The Whitworths. And they had that little bass pond. Yeah. And they had a little... Where the spillway came out of it yeah. and went down this little creek. And you could hop over this creek. Like, jump over Tiny. easy. Even me could jump over <laughs> it real easy. And we took... We just went down there one day, and I was on the phone talking to somebody. I watched this snake swim out, and this big bass was falling under. You know, falling while it while it's you sw- watched the bass
2: follow a snake. In the yes, yeah, never cool. seen that before.
3: Really cool. And I was like waving at Sam to come here. Like you know, so we started fi- we fished that little branch that day. And Nobody,
0: they didn't believe there was like fish. We
3: caught. It was awesome. It was it was like you see those videos of somebody in Argentina you know, fishing like this little trickle of a stream and they're catching these big brown. That's what, that's what we did that day. It was nice. crazy, crazy. And I'll always will remember that up in
2: Huntsville. Yeah. yeah. Nice.
0: Madison actually. But yeah, what's the, uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> there was another Creek up there that we will, we we'll rename. Yes. Nameless. That <clears throat> was, it, it, it went away for a while and I hear it's coming back, but, um,
2: What the creek just disappeared? No, No, the creek, it it got the bass, the smallmouth, the
0: the fish in it got saned out by um people
2: hungry people
0: (laughs) south of non local locals, and um, Mm. so we used to go there, and the fishing was just unreal. And and we would catch, I mean, my one of my largest smallmouth on the fly came out of there. It was, I mean, it had it was right at five pounds on a three weight rod. But we would go in there, and there was nothing to see. I mean, we're, you're fishing, you're catching, you know, pound and a half, the three pound smallmouth, and nothing to see a five pound smallmouth swim through, and it was just amazing. And also,
2: place, God, well, was, I guess we're going to have to go turkey hunting up there and in the spring.
3: Yes, you also would all, always see at least three to four water moccasins.
0: Oh, yeah definitely I mean, they should have called it Moccasin Creek there's no doubt it's crazy I've almost <laughs> stepped on I think I've stepped on almost stepped on three there so
2: well so we'll have to revisit that and uh, we'll see what 2024 has in store thanks so
1: much for listening to our fledgling community drink uh, and do come back to us in the future we we hope you enjoyed this first podcast we, we hope to it'll be a Steady progression towards greatness, the great mixtableven and And thank you to our advertisers in the magazine and thank you to Alan Boyhill for helping us put this together. <laughs> Sit in the background
3: in Hanks prostate.
1: Mania.